everyone and welcome along to the Luton Town Supporters Trust end of season review podcast. I'm Kev and as always I've got James and I've got Tony with me. It's probably pointless asking you how you are chaps but have you recovered from all the festivities? No. (laughs) I've no longer got a hangover. (laughs) That's about it. That's good because the last time I saw you at the civic reception you had quite a strong one uh, I must admit as we all did. Um, Well, let's review on the season, really. I mean, obviously, an absolutely fantastic season. But let's go right the way back to uh, where it all started. And, well, I guess, chaps, if you'd you'd said to us sort of halfway through August, towards the end of August, of the scenes that were going to follow, no one would really have believed it in many ways, would they? Because, you know, it all started with a 1-0 defeat at Portsmouth, followed by a 1-1 draw against Sunderland, a defeat at West Brom in the Cup, which probably no one even cares about now. And and a loss at Peterborough and as starts to the season go, Tony. I mean that was pretty tough, and it, as it, we certainly found out League One there and then. It was. Um, I remember the first game being at Portsmouth, and we played extremely well, and we didn't deserve to lose that game. And I remember coming out of that thinking, well, we've gone up a level. It's probably going to be a long, hard season. Um, so I was thinking uh, hopefully mid-table um, but it was a baptism of fire I mean to get three very hard league matches like that I mean to be honest I wasn't bothered about the West Brom game um, but certainly uh, at half time at Peterborough um, I was thinking oh, you know everything's going south um, uh, as we all know, it didn't turn out that way. Absolutely, James. I mean, um, if anything, it toughened us up for what was lying ahead. Yeah, but I, uh, lots of people have talked about it, including players, that the results weren't what you wanted, but the performances were pretty decent. And the one against Portsmouth to start the season, I've never seen a team give another team such a whooping on their home ground and still come away losers. Obviously, the Peterborough game was a shocker but it was a rarity that season. And yeah, like like you, I can't remember the West Brom game. Uh, you can go there next season and uh, do it right. The players all seemed very confident that they could still make something if they played that way. And that's exactly how it turned out, really. Um, it was just unfortunate that they did come up against some of the three of the teams that were going to be in that top six which was some top six by the end of it because below that, at one stage, close to the end of the season, everyone could still get relegated. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a baptism of fire, but I think it probably set, set the team out knowing what they had to do. I still don't think you could have predicted what would have happened, but... Uh, it was it was it was a good it was a good start to the season in the sense that everybody was really happy that went up and I think if we if we honest with ourselves we don't not even have to be honest it was on record on a on a previous podcast we all were just happy that uh, Luton were up and a season of consolidation beckoned I think and uh, I think the more optimistic of us went maybe sneaking to the playoffs and I was just happy sort of mid table I think. Uh, 
how wrong we were. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in order to get into that mid-table position, Tony, it was important to to get a win on the board just for peace of mind and a little bit of confidence, wasn't it? So those two home games to finish August, at home to South End in midweek, and that bizarre game against Shrewsbury um, to round off August, they were big wins just to gather a bit of momentum. Yeah, certainly. Um, <clears throat> looking back on it it, it, it seemed to me that that first win just seemed to be a long time coming. Um, but once we played South End, it, it was then you started to think, well, we're going to be all right. Well, probably the second half against Peterborough as well, because we turned it around and uh, the performance was much better. But the South End game, yeah, that, that, that was was good and you could see early signs of what was coming um the Shrewsbury game as well was um yeah that that was good but considering they've had a, a fair amount of success over the, the the past couple of seasons getting to the playoff final um and being unlucky not to actually get promoted to the championship um so that I think those two games then gave us a fair reflection of the standard that we were going to be at but then James if we were going to get a bit of momentum from them two wins we ran into a <coughs> September that didn't really go to plan with a 1-1 draw at Wickham to start it before a 2-1 defeat at Doncaster obviously we'd have a little bit of um, niggle with them later on in the yeah, season the team in the they're the ones <laughs> um, we did get a solitary win in September at home to Bristol Rovers before a draw at Blackpool and finished off the month of September with a 2-2 draw against Charlton which certainly doesn't look too bad now but you know if we were going to capitalise on those two wins that weren't really the set of results that did it No and and at that point I was I was fairly confident in my prediction I think that mid-table would be a decent bet and nobody I don't think anybody at that stage would have been unhappy with that I think you know there's there's talk now of going of now being in the championship and finishing one place above relegation would be happy and I think there were certain people that would have thought that in league 1 as well because just of where Luton had come from in the you know in the previous 5 years 10 years even um so yeah it was it, it's it's kind of strange looking back on that month now isn't it really after what mm. transpired because of how fantastic they were it's good that it happened at that stage of the season Certainly plenty of time to recover and uh, and improve. And that's exactly what we did in October, Tony. I mean, the month came along at just the right time, really. That epic late victory at Oxford on the Tuesday night when Dan Potts scored in, well, it was almost the Wednesday morning. It was so late. Um, <laughs> before the um, obligatory 3-2 win at home to Scunthorpe. Followed by maybe one of the more heartening defeats, if there's such a thing, in that televised game at Barnsley, which we lost 3-2. But we rounded off the month in absolute style with a 2-0 win against Walsall at home before that night against Accrington, where we took them to the cleaners. Mm. And then we won. Uh, we, we rounded off the month of October with a win uh, at AFC Wimbledon to really propel ourselves as not maybe title contenders then, but certainly we're going to be okay here and let's look up rather than down. Mm. I mean, wasn't that the month where we were quite a way behind because of the Wickham game lasting so long um, so we basically had to make up time um, no <laughs> that, 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 again that was um, a good are you going to miss having making jokes about Wickham now I'll still do it he's sitting there <laughs> hoping we get him in the cup yeah. <laughs> I'm not no. no I'm not no 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 uh, you know um, 
I, I can't afford, at my age, I can't afford to lose that much time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, that, I, I, again, it was, it, it was a good month. You, you, you could see signs of progression, which, which is what it was. And, um, you know, in, in Barnsley, we, we came up against, you know, second best team in in the division and it was a, it was a good game of football we played well um you know because i've got connections up there there was a few people saying to me that um uh overall they we're one of the best sides that they played this season um and honestly the the, the game could have gone either way you know okay they yeah they they outplayed us in in the first half <clears throat> but in the second half we gave more than as good as we got and you know I think that's where probably George Moncur first caught the eye uh, because he had a fantastic game for them yeah I mean he ran the show and I, was, I think I've said it on this podcast two or three times what they were thinking selling him to to us of all teams I've no idea but James was it that final week of October that really launched a little bit of not belief because I think like you say we already had that but that kind of knowledge that we are we we could achieve great things here. That Accrington night in particular, the, obviously there was a lot of who are off the pitch, but focusing on what happened on the pitch, they were fourth at the time, weren't they? Accrington, cocky bunch, and you know we put them to the sword. And that was one of those nights where you look back now and you think we were good that night. I think it probably just exercised some demons from the previous season because uh, the defeat in the last minute to Accrington was where Luton lost the league. In terms of overturning that and and maybe looking beyond the Accrington's of this world. It was as comprehensive a whooping you could you could possibly hope for and put them in their place really. But Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there a Hilton hat trick in that game as well? Yeah. It was yeah. it was um that was one of your goals of the season, isn't it? And one of it was one of my goal of the season. Yeah. Brilliant goal. Yeah. Um it was a wonderful flowing move. Um and if certain goals hadn't happened mm. uh, subsequently that meant perhaps a lot more than I probably would have agreed with you uh, but I actually look at the you'd have to look at the Barnsley game and they were a fantastic football inside in, in that game they were by far and away the best team I saw in that division at that point and they deservedly went up at that stage of the season I thought that's the that's the championship winning team and Luton have done really well to come back at them and, and give them a good game and but I, I do think that the scoreline probably flattered Luton a touch because they were... I remember thinking, I remember sort of sitting there after five minutes and I'm sure I said to someone who I sat next to, Christ, we've bitten off more than we can chew here because they, they just they built from the back, they were fast, they were mobile, they were everything that we were in the second half of the season yeah. that kind of it wasn't a wake-up call, but it was just something that knew we'd gone up a level mm. yeah agreed Kev uh, but I, I think that the main difference between us and Barnsley was they weren't consistent enough absolutely yeah. and I mean actually we should probably reflect on the Warsaw game in that month well, as can, well can I just say just going back to the Accrington game for a second there were two points about that one was that result to me felt a bit like well you can shove your league to uh, title where the sun don't shine and for once I was actually in agreement with John Coleman 
because he turned around afterwards and said, well, it wasn't a 4-1 game. I thought he was absolutely right. I thought it was more like 7 or 8-1. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we should kind of acknowledge that Walsall game, the game before that, Accrington won, James, because little did we know then that it was the start of something really special in terms of a 28-game unbeaten run. Uh, at the time, it just felt like a, a good three-point bounce back from the Barnsley defeat, but it was it was just the start of something magical. Well, it, as, as the results kept piling up and piling up, it, it was strange to look back and say, well, that last defeat against Barnsley was, was that was a turning point, actually, because they did play really well. It's just that Barnsley played a hell of a lot better. Yeah. I um, yeah, so the Walsall game was, it was important, obviously, to bounce back from that uh, that defeat. And actually, how long has it been since Luton have lost back-to-back league games now? I think it stretches into... It's certainly beyond two seasons, yeah. 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 September 2016, I think it was, if I remember rightly. And don't take that to the bank because my memory's terrible. (laughs) But um, it was important to bounce back, obviously, and and, and set a platform. But you couldn't, there's no way you could have predicted how strong a platform that game would have set. Well, actually, it was just a great result, really. It really was. But actually, yeah. We could so easily have lost that unbeaten run in the first game of November when we went to Rochdale. I think we were, well, certainly you and I were there. And I mean, Jesus Christ, I've not seen us outplayed like that for a nil-nil draw ever in a day. I mean, James, there's there's all sorts of comedy around the fact that James Shea doesn't have an awful lot to do behind this back four, but he did that day and he did an awful lot of it very, very well. I think that was a classic example of a team at home playing a team that was looking like it was going to be successful and them having the attitude do you know what let's show these buggers we're up for this and they were and I, I, I think at that time Luton at that game had an off day but it just showed you how good the team were the fact that they didn't concede and again yeah you're right about James Shaw he had a cracking game that day yeah it's one that's it that's one of the games that really does stick in my mind because it's been quite some time since Luton have taken such a whooping from anyone and the fact that they came away with a point out of that game felt like victory because it was so one-sided and James Shea earned earned every bit of that point uh, because for once there was a team that was overpowering Luton in the middle of the park outdoing Luton on the flanks so much this they're attacking Verve came through the, the two sort of wing backs and full backs that were putting in some marvellous crossing so to come away from that game with with a point was that absolutely outstanding and, and but the defence from that game did become formidable not because of that game it certainly did I mean it kept a clean sheet the following week in the FA Cup against Tony's favourite side Wickham but and we'll, we'll focus more on the FA Cup a bit later because I think it's going to offer us something when we look to the future but I think actually if you just going on the point of defence there it took a while for Bradley and Pearson to gel I think well I mean initially they didn't they weren't the team, were they? No. It was Sheehan and Pearson, yeah. and it was that Peterborough defeat that wiped that out, and that's when Bradley came into the side. And like you say, probably a little bit longer than maybe many would have expected them to take mm. to but jail. Once they formed that partnership, it was brilliant. 
Oh, unbelievable. I mean, we'll have Simon along with his stats piece in in a short while and he'll tell us all about the clean sheets and everything. But it was it was just fantastic at both ends of the pitch. And that was certainly the case in our next league game, the game where I actually thought we're going to get promoted this season. And I, and I said it at the time in the, when we did the podcast, the 5-1 win over Plymouth. Some of the football and a goal in that particular game was just absolutely divine. It was. It was sensational yeah. football. Uh, one of the, uh, a, a good-sized handful of games where they were just unbelievable. I think I, I, I'm surprised to hear you say that that was the game you thought they'd get promoted. I just thought, oh, that is a fantastic result. Well, I just thought the football that we played in that game, from a technical standpoint, I mean that that third goal, the James Justin goal, was mm. circulated virally on social media, wasn't it? And I thought if houses was it? Uh, yeah, 16, 17, 18, something like that. But I just thought the technical quality there. If there's two better technical teams, then they're going to be they're going to be good sides. What I found amazing when you look at this season is you get a game like that Plymouth game and you, you watch it and you think it can't get no better than this. This is it for this. That's brilliant. How wrong was I? <laughs> well, absolutely, because you often hear it said in sport, don't you, that it's so hard for athletes to post a peak performance and then follow it up again. But actually, that's pretty much exactly what we did because the following week we went to Gillingham, turned them over 3-1 with that Harry Cornick turned Forrest Gump turned Gareth Bale run that mm. I've never heard Forrest Gump added into the, the description the, of that the, the, that lit things up. <laughs> I like to be original uh, now and again. And, and then Bradford came came to town and they got done 4-0 on the Tuesday night with another well consummate performance so we finished off November well I think it's fair to say we're you know the the team's buzzing by now and we went to Bury a tricky assignment actually Bury in the FA Cup but a good side a really good side can can I just say what's going on at their club is such a shame it's a shambles isn't it Um, the league have got plenty to answer for there but we turned them over 1-0 Certainly doesn't look a bad result given the fact that they, they got promoted. And then Fleetwood came down in uh, in the league. That was a fairly routine 2-0 victory, wasn't it? And Although then, it, was a, it was quite enjoyable because Joey Barton coming out saying he knew Luton's weaknesses. Oh, yeah, he knew how to stop. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. worked for them. He might have known them, but he clearly didn't. They, they looked like a team that just came down trying not to get a hide in. I think we said that yeah. in a in a podcast afterwards, didn't we? You know, well, I, 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 two I, I, nil. They were delighted yeah. with. I suppose to that end, they succeeded. They didn't get a hide in. They got beaten. Yeah, sounds so, beat. It comfortably though. It was so. It was a walk in the park for Luton that, 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 that victory. But they always say, don't they, that Christmas is a big time of the season, and um, we went into Christmas with a two-one win. At Coventry, uh, and then after you dried yourself off, James, from your soaking in the press box, we beat Burton at home prior to Christmas, and then went to Scunthorpe, uh, ground out a two 0 win with a controlled performance. Oh, there. I loved that goal by Matty Pearson. That was great. And um, was that Scunthorpe? Was that Shrewsbury? I can't remember. No, I think that was Shrewsbury. We'll come yeah, on to that in a minute. Yeah. It was um, Shinny, wasn't it? Who got the scoring underway at? Um, yeah, you're right. At Scunthorpe, right, but actually. Yeah. 2018 finished off with possibly one of the, the biggest moment of the season, the um, the game at Walsall where we looked dead and buried at 2-0 uh, and, and out of nowhere, you know, credit to Nathan Jones in many ways, the substitutions that he made, we turned it round and those scenes when Luar Luar scored in injury time, deep into injury time, 
just showed the uh, togetherness on and off the pitch. You were in there, weren't you? Oh, I was, yeah. yeah. I was just pr- hoping and praying that Collins' <coughs> torpedo didn't hit my ribs or anything, otherwise I don't think I'd ever been able to speak again. It was very reminiscent of the scenes at Cambridge, you know, when we won the conference, that same thing in the, in the last minute. And, and they, I think this is one of the things that's so great about this current side is they don't know when they're beaten. You know, they, they're, still going for, they're still going forward for it, even, even in a game where we're 4-0 up with... Two minutes to go. They're still trying to get goals, which is, which is fantastic. But I think the spirit in that game and that that last minute celebration was absolutely brilliant. And to be fair, you know, Danny Hilton had a goal disallowed. There was nothing wrong with it. No, that's absolutely right. <clears throat> but I mean, to be fair, it was a pretty. I mean, I'm sure everyone would admit it was a pretty ordinary performance. No, it wasn't so, a great game. So actually, to come out of that with a point in the manner that we came out of it yeah, so that, late as well was that's just what probably makes it more important. Because if you're going to do anything, if you're going to win leagues or get in promotion places, then you've got to dig things out like that over the course of the season. You can play, you know, champagne football, but every now and again you're gonna to have to face a bit of adversity and show what you what you made of and come back. And those sorts of results when you look back on things with hindsight are so important. It's like you're going into games at that stage thinking we're not gonna lose because mm. you know that they're quite capable of grinding out a result. And maybe one of the reasons why it was such a big result that was because it was the last game of December ahead of a January that Mm. you know we'd all clocked how big January was going to be on and off the pitch from two three four months back maybe even as early as when the fixtures got announced and of course we brought in the new year with Barnsley at home another truly technical game and if you didn't know then that they were likely to be the two sides going up you certainly found out that afternoon that you that you were seeing two promotion chasing sides if not I actually found it as nil-nil draws go quite entertaining. Yeah, I think it was more significant for Luton, obviously, because they they conceded those three goals up at Oakwell to hold them to that and probably played better over the whole course of the game than they did at the away game. Was it's obviously showing signs of improvement, and you take that with the the results that had come before. And you're sort of building up that momentum at that point. You're building nicely to that January, like you say, that we all knew was so big. And of course, that was Nathan Jones's last league game in charge of the club. But he did have one more game before he jumped ship and um, disappeared. And that was at Sheffield Wednesday. Now, you mentioned about good nil-nil draws. Well, that sure as hell wasn't one of them. I don't care what he what he departed with um, thinking. You see, he had a go at Simon, didn't he, for um, sort of talking down the result. But it was a, it was a terrible nil-nil draw. But actually, when we look at it now, may well give us optimism for next season because we held a mid-table to lower top half side quite comfortably on their own patch. Yeah, I, I thought Wednesday didn't look anything special, and I, I thought <clears throat> Luton coped quite well with the big pitch, and we we didn't look out of place at all. No, we didn't. Uh, I think what you. What I'm kind of expecting from the championship is that, but every now and again a bit of a burst of pace or a bit of creativity that you're not going to see in the lower divisions for obvious reasons, and that's what sets those teams apart. Probably maybe not Sheffield Wednesday, they no, Sheffield average, yeah, they did. But in the championship in general, I think it's going to be you're going to have to. I don't think it's going to come unexpected because of the way Luton have played over the last two seasons and built this 
way of football that that's kind of the football you're going to have to play in the championship, which is patient every now and again. But having that extra gear that you can snap into every now and again to try and punish a team, it's just a shift when they didn't have that at the time. And yeah, they, they, they coped comfortably. Uh, it would have just been nice to have, have taken that result somehow, nicked it somehow. It would make me think that Luton could probably do a bit more than just to sort of consolidate in, in championship mm-hmm. football. And maybe they could. I'm not, you know, there's, we'll discuss it as, as we get near the end of the season. There's a lot more, um, there's a lot more to play with in terms of what Luton are going to do and how they can do it compared to that stage of the season. And so maybe it's a different conversation. But if you're just talking at that stage of the season, I was thinking, oh, if Luton don't go up, then. Well, I mean, I think cope. I must admit, I went to Hillsborough. I think we thought then we've got a good chance of going up, didn't we? We obviously didn't know Nathan Jones was jumping ship at that point. So I kind of went to Hillsborough like, this might be a guide of what what the championship could be like. Mm. Certainly Wednesday fans that I've spoken to have been very complimentary about this. And, you know, I've had a few say to me, we won't be out of place in the championship. We, You know, we've got ball players, we've got players who can play around, play to feet. And, you know, our game is all about pass and move um, so I think that will lend itself quite well to championship football absolutely I mean we will be on the halfway stage of the season in terms of games played at that point but it probably feels like a good idea for us to or a good time for us to pause for for a short moment and kind of allow Simon to um, come in with his stats for the for the course of the season and uh, well we'll get cracking on what I think many people would call the second half of the season um, shortly so Simon it's over to you uh, just give us your reflections on this fantastic season and um, well some of the numbers that that went to making up just an incredible year f- to be a Luton Town fan. Thanks, Kevin. And yes, here I am with the final stats update for the 2018-19 season, one of which Luton Town ended as champions of League One with 94 points, a goal difference of plus 48, having scored 90 and conceding just 42. There were 27 victories, 13 draws and six defeats during the course of the season. Nathan Jones in charge for 26 matches uh, um, accumulated 52 points, meaning his average exactly two points per game. Mick Harford in charge for the remaining 20 games of the season and he finished with 42 points meaning that he had 2.1 points per game on average. We saw 16 different scorers in the league for Luton Town and also just one own goal courtesy of Craig Morgan of Fleetwood. We only failed to score in five games and four of those were nil-nil draws the other coming on the opening day of the season in the 1-0 defeat at Portsmouth. Pelly Rudder-Campanzu and Matty Pearson have become the first ever presence for Luton Town since 2014, when Mark Tyler, Steve McNulty and Scott Griffiths played in all 46 conference matches. Pelly leads the way with 4,125 minutes played in the league, not including injury time of course, and he only missed 15 minutes in the home game against Rochdale. Pearson, meanwhile, was substituted in both matches against Peterborough and therefore missed just 58 minutes. In total, there were 27 players featuring in League One for the Hatters this season. Of the 16 different goal scorers, James Collins was the highest scorer in the league with 25 goals, the most since Tony Thorpe netted 28 in 1996-97. 
Minutes per goal is always interesting, and if you use the, the criteria that a player has made at least 10 league appearances, then George Moncur is your most prolific this season, with a goal every 79 minutes. And that's nearly half of Collins on 150 minutes per goal. Danny Hilton is next with 197 minutes per league goal scored. The 90 goals were broken down as 38 from inside the area, a further 29 from six yard, within six yards, 16 from outside the box, and then seven penalties. Looking at assists, and Kazenga Lawar and Elliot Lee share top spot with 10 apiece. And interestingly, eight of Kazenga's led to goals for James Collins. There's then a three-way tie behind them as James Justin, Andrew Shinney and Jack Stacey all had eight league assists each. The most common scoreline in the league this season was a 2-0 win for Luton, occurring seven times, whilst a 2-2 draw happened on five occasions. Looking at the disciplinary record, and there were four red cards for the Hatters, but rather than look at the negatives, I think it's amazing to see the centre-back pairing of Sonny Bradley and Matty Pearson only picking up four and two yellow cards respectively. In total, 37 players featured for the Hatters in all competitions during the course of the campaign, meaning that it's now 1,297 different players who have pulled on a Luton shirt in a competitive match. We've now reached 5,484 competitive matches as a club, winning 2,210, drawing 1,338 and losing 1,936. The Hatters have scored 8,744 goals and conceded 7,814. The final league match of the 2019-20 season will be the 3,900th game in the Football League for Luton. We've discussed the numerous records that were broken during the season, but in brief it's 28 league games unbeaten, 13 unbeaten away matches in all competitions and of course the league season unbeaten at home for only the third time in the club's history. They're the main ones to take from the League One Championship winning season of 2018-19. Just to end this stats piece, I'd like to take the opportunity to thank and give best wishes for the future to those players who have left the club. Alan McCormack, Luke Gambin, Aaron Jarvis, Jack James, Jack Senior and the youngest ever player to feature for Luton Town, Connor Tomlinson. Best wishes to all of those players, and we look forward to the new campaign and the championship season of 2019-20. Have a great summer, and we'll see you soon. Okay, chaps, uh, some of them numbers, when you hear them, when you hear someone say them out loud, they're just just incredible to even believe, aren't they? Let alone having witnessed it, it's... It's something else. Um, Nathan Jones has left now. Uh, you know, in comes, well, Mick Harford. We, nobody knew at the time that he was going to be behind the wheel for the rest of the season. But what was your thoughts going to Sunderland, Tony, in terms of how would we cope without Nathan Jones, with Mick in charge, his boyhood team, the biggest team in the league in terms of club size, a huge game. You know, was you was you worried? Was you nervous? What can you oh, think? God, yeah, I was, um, because I, I I think what happened then was the pivotal point of the season, and I, I know. I, I guess actually the, no, the the turning point was almost before the game. Mm. Sorry to butt in, but 
if you needed reassuring that we'd be okay, when the play, when Alan Sheehan brought the players over to the fans, because they warmed up at the other end of the pitch, didn't they? So they'd done the whole 90 yards and the tunnel was nowhere near where the away fans were. So it was a clear coming over to get the fans behind them. And you, there was just a sense of the reception that they got that, do you know what? We're going to be all right here. Yeah. Uh, you know the whole Nathan Jones thing has been done to death yeah we're not going to cover too much and I, you know I thought about it and I think actually that him going I think in a, in a funny sort of way was a blessing in disguise because it helped to bring everybody together and I think there was more than a slight element amongst the side that do you know what we'll show him you know they wouldn't let it affect them but everybody pulled together got behind them and it was a great day for Mick you know, and everybody thought we were going to get, you know, mullered up at Sunderland, but we didn't. And it showed the strength of character. And, you know, I was more than pleased with the point up there. And I, I think, looking back on it, as I said, I think it was a blessing in disguise. You reported on the game, James. I mean, what was your sort of thoughts heading there? Were you like, were you, were you doubting anything or? Big time, yeah. Going up there, I thought. I mean, you had plenty of time to think about it, didn't you? <laughs> well, just walking up the steps of the stadium light had enough time. You're all uh, right. You're in the press box. We had to go halfway to the moon. Yeah, no, it was, the press box is right at the back of the stand. Oh, was like, it? Yeah, same thing. It's a long, long way. But no, I thought that um, it couldn't have come at the worst time, as we all know. And yeah, it's been done to death. But it was just the worst timing, and that's why, among other things, he's not very highly regarded because of just how big that January was it, you know going into a transfer window and all these things and I thought that there's a, there was a very real chance of the wheels coming off there because we, like you say we were sort of building thinking oh I thought playoffs could be a possibility at that stage and I thought well oh, that's brilliant that's, that's scuppered that and considering the way that Sunderland played down at Kenworth Road. I thought they were a decent side. Yeah, I, I, it was it was a it was a nervy one, but like you say, that that reception. I think there's probably an element of hindsight saying, yeah, it was it was important. It was heartening at the time. It's just like, all oh, right, they're up for it. Why not? Um, but then Sunderland taking the lead, and I thought, oh, here we go. <laughs> After we'd dominated for 15 minutes yeah. beforehand, I mean, the goalkeeper saved them from a rout in the first 15 minutes, didn't he? A couple of worldy saves. And, and also going down to 10 men as well. Absolutely. Um, mm. So the way that they played in, the, in that game, one, even once they had the 10 men, it was galvanising stuff. It, and there was, you know, individual things like sights of... Uh, Jack Stacy bombing up the pitch and the way you tend to look at games like that when you you know you're away from home you've got 10 men it's a massive pitch is you're supposed to be knackered and your back's against the wall and it was never that they could have won that game I thought but to come away with a point was it was pretty special and like obviously for me like he got that massive reception as we knew he would but I think the home fans once they'd done booing at their team and the ref I think they quite appreciated him as well because Luton did play some good football. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was you sort of bubbling with that little bit of excitement. Oh, this could be it's, the, the wheels are obviously not going to fall off. I still didn't think that they were going to go on and do what they did. I did think, yeah, playoffs is a shout. Uh, we then had the replay against Sheffield Wednesday, which I'm sure you know 
we're all still scratching our heads as to how we lost that. But I mean, we've done that cup tie to death. So let's move forward to the following week where maybe we got James's first sign of um, we might be a bit better than the playoffs when Peterborough came to town and well, they got taken, they got taken apart. Mm. Yeah. And then some, it was, it was up there with the, that Doncaster result, the Plymouth game, the Portsmouth at home, which we'll come to, I guess, but, uh, we might do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. People just kind of seem like that little bit of a bogey side, really, don't they? I don't know if there's any stats to back that up. Just get that sense that never really quite goes so right against Peterborough. Or Steve Evans. I think there's a thing with him as well, yeah, wasn't there, yeah. from the Crawley days? And yeah, yeah, yeah. But but to so comprehensively dispatch them and you're like oh, here we go I'm just thinking Scully and Evans what a match made in heaven <laughs> yeah absolutely good luck to uh, the following Saturday was a pivotal Saturday so we went top of the league at South End Matty Pearson scored from a James Justin corner um, we spit uh, you know it was another performance of champions really that you know we couldn't get that second goal, but we didn't need it because we were so resolute and so hard to break down at they the back. Never looked like scoring South End. Never looked like scoring, and it was a it was a good corner routine that that got it. And then after that, if well, if you didn't know that we were promotion chasers, stroke title contenders before then, I think your belief would have intensified the night of that Portsmouth came to town, twenty ninth of January. I must admit. When I when I left the house and it was snowing, oh Christ of all nights! Why did it have to be well, tonight? We seem to play Portsmouth. Looking historically, we seem to play when it's snowing, and you know it's just one of them things. But you, you know, know you just thought this up. this team really don't need the snow on such a magnificent night that it promised to be. But well, I mean, I had no need to worry because that first half will live with me for a long, long time. Best 45 minutes of football I've probably seen ever at Kenworth Road. Yeah, they, they, they were magnificent. Absolutely magnificent. You know, I think before the game, we'd have all taken a draw. Quite happily taken a draw. But yeah. Well, because Portsmouth were another one of those sides that were just yeah. so hard to beat and they were, you know, at that, that stage they were riding high. And, um, I, you know, you look at the, the teams in that division and, I'll keep mentioning hindsight, but there there should be no way that Luton should have won that league in front of Sunderland, Pompey, even Charlton, with the money they've got. I know they're having troubles, but they've got a massive following. Mm. Good bit of money. Still pays them. Um, they don't, they should, don't work that way, though, does no, it? No, no, it, it, it doesn't, but it, there, there should have been... No, there should have been no way. And so Portsmouth, one of those teams, you're thinking they're going to be up there, there or thereabouts. They, and they were at that stage. Mm. So to turn up in a really difficult playing surface, difficult weather, and just put on an, an absolute exhibition of football. Mm. You know, I, I usually go on social media at half-time and full-time and put some emojis and stuff like that on there just to what the game was. And it was just a list of all the players' names and hearts and 10 out of 10 and stuff mm. like that. Cause it, what it was. an impact by Moncur, though. Mm, yeah, I mean, you, you couldn't have wished for anything better, could you? Absolutely not. I mean, I've got to be honest. When they go two-two, and I think at two-two they go through on goal, don't they? And Omar Bogle went through and didn't uh, seem to know where he was. No, he? and James Shea made a blinding save as well. 
either before that or or around that time with his feet and um, I thought oh Christ just blow up ref please give us 2-2 two, two. Mm-hmm. and then like you say Moncur gets fouled and well we all know well I, I, I looked at it and I think um, you know if, if they'd have scored then and come away with any from the, from the game it would have complete injustice it was a right result on the night Portsmouth deserved nothing from that game even though they played better in the second half on Luton's first half performance alone, I don't think Portsmouth deserved anything from it. And it was just another late goal in a season of meaningful late goals. Yeah, and there's nothing better than that, is there? No. There's nothing no. better than a late remember winner. a few years ago, we were always conceding last-minute goals, and mm. now totally turned around. It's much better being on the other end than it. Yeah, that, it is. I mean, that, that goal got the uh, goal of the season, didn't it? For its significance, because it it put Luton five points above Pompey, kept that run going. I actually thought his one at Fleetwood was better. It was, yeah, it was. I think, but it's the significance of that goal. It was mm. and sent us five points clear. Ken, the yeah. Kenny was unbelievable that night. Yeah, it was shaking. Point. She, was, the old girl, was shaking uh, was night, when, yeah. when he when he scored that. I, I mean, there I was bunkers on the pitch from where they all knee slid in the in the conditions as well, wasn't there? It was just um, <laughs> and, and, and for once he ran to the Luton fans. Yeah. <laughs> the only time, yeah. You, just got, you, you really do have to um, cherish those moments because it's it will be some season if Luton can do that again in the Championship, and you, you, I'm kind of like anticipating that it won't be and mm. I'll be comfortable with that as long as they do well for themselves there's not going to be too many games where on a Tuesday night that place is going to be that raucous because it ain't going to be there for very long it, it, and also I mean it goes down as one of those nights that you you remember in years to come doesn't it I mean I kind of think of our previous promotion Seasons, you know, you have that Plymouth home game in the Kinnear season. You have Berkovich's goal in the last minute against yeah, Hull. Um, you know, even in the conference times, the, you have the Keith Keane corner again, against against that. Oxford. You mentioned earlier the Mark okay. Cullen goal at Cambridge. These are like I was there that night moments that you'll always remember. Yeah, it's it's just so firmly imprinted in my brain that night because it was so special. Which is about the only thing from three months ago that... <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Because my memory is so bad, so for things like that to absolutely stick, it's got to be something. I mean, we're enjoying um, reflecting on what's happened on the pitch, chaps, but as great as that night was, eight days before that, we'd had an even bigger night when um, Power Court was given... Uh, approval and and planning permission in the town hall i mean in many ways that that night contributed to the to the the magnitude of the two games that followed because everything was so high was so brilliant and and, and our club was just uh, after, we were the proudest club that there could be after the trials and tribulations we'd been through the previous 10 years and spending five years in the conference of that the feel-good factor was just unbelievable and that decision you know marked the start of it you knew 2019 was going to be special um because it's such a big thing for the future of the club and the what we've done on the pitch and winning league one this season pales in the comparison with that for the long-term future of the club um and with getting the club at the level and with the stature it should have it's just unbelievable 
it was a pretty emotional night. Mm. I was, you know, we were both in in the town hall at the time, and I was just sort of like, you know, well, please, I want to get in the White House and have a beer, yeah. and I kept getting grabbed by me, and I was like, oh, please, I don't want to just yeah. go and celebrate. It, it was emotional. But it was kind of like that was the one that was the banker, I think, wasn't it? Because yeah. there was no there was no objection. Yeah. So it was just in there, go through the process. It was a bloody long process. So they spent felt like days going through like the spelling of things or whatever it was. I mean, it, it, just point in in the meeting because it was going on at that. It was quite funny because at one time my cousin was there. And he started snoring. <laughs> he was gone totally, you know, but he was wide awake later on. Absolutely, you would have been, yeah. But yeah, when the, when the result came in, it was like, right, that's, you know, things are going so well now on the pitch. Now we know we're sort of halfway there, off the pitch. Don't you find, though, that following Luton and being Luton, there is still part of you that's thinking, I'm waiting for the crash, I'm waiting for it to go tits up. There, there is, but there's but a little bit of that. That's... For, for younger fans, I think that's that's mm. ten years of of um, drudgery. Really, I mean, you can pick out the odd good result, good day, and stuff like that. But like, take for example, I started covering Luton in two thousand and five when Luton in the championship. Soon after that, it was down, down, down in consecutive seasons. Five scenes of not being able to get out of the of the league and crushing playoff defeats. It was just drudgery, and you sort of. I'm glad you brought us good luck anyway. Yeah, well, I thought I was the bad luck. Man. <laughs> Obviously, it's not me anymore. But you, 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 there's, there's 10 years is, is, is a generation, really, a generation of disappointment and expecting that worse. And what these two seasons have actually done, on top of the results that you got in the town hall for the two planning applications, is say, that's the end of that now. We can stop being a new Luton and it's going to there are some people obviously that still have that in their mind and it's hard to change but mm. now is the time to change now yeah, you, yeah I don't think we'll know. ever forget what happened no no I'm not because saying that's what makes forget. us up you, but you never know forget as, kind of as, put it in a, in a drawer now as, yeah. as a Luton supporter there were some real lows uh, during that period but when I look back and it, it just made me think that wasn't my lowest ever feeling as a Luton fan even losing at home to Hyde, losing in the playoff finals to Wimbledon and York. The lowest feeling I've ever had as a Luton fan was losing the FA Cup semi-final to Everton in 1985. That's the lowest I've ever been because that game, I know it's going past and slightly off topic, but that's the lowest I've ever been. So well, really when I look at it, I suppose, you know... Well, I mean, you're in a privileged yeah. position, really, yeah. because if people now can ever get that sort of... I'm not, I don't wish a defeat in the semi-final on them, even though yeah. there's been some sub- subsequently. But if you can get to the stage where you're playing your Everton's and expecting to win, then... I mean, Luton, yeah, Luton I mean I've got to really be honest, if you're offering me an FA Cup semi-final defeat next season, I'll sign you the piece of paper. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, the, the, that's the beauty of following a team like Luton. You know... Um, is giving the big boys a bloody nose um, because when you're going into playing the bigger clubs, you're expected to lose. So if we lose, fine, okay, you don't like losing, but move on from it. But when we beat them, oh, we it's turn great. them over. It's fantastic. But Balloon are in, now in this incredibly unique position of, you know, every every football fan sort of has that gallows 
humour and Gallo's intentions. The goal was, you know, for my sins, I support X club. And they go, yeah, but we know we're never that good and we never do this. You've never had to fall out of the second tier of football and find yourself playing Hyde and Tuesday nights in the FA, nobody cares against Hinkley. And, well, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. You do. When you look at what we've been through and, and, and then you, you see all these headlines and all these supporters whinging, you know, like Man United. Oh, my God, we didn't finish in the top four. Chelsea are the same. Arsenal, Tottenham, they're all the same. And it's like, what on earth are you moaning about? Mm. You know, if, you, if your club has faced what we've been through and what other clubs are going through. Absolutely, and that's why you can feel some Not sympathy. that I wish it on them, no. but, mm. but it, get some perspective. Well, look, that's what I mean. All, all football fans moan. It's a chance mm. to vent and stuff. You're never going to stop people moaning, whoever you are, but... There's, there's very few teams that can have the same depth of perspective about how low lows can be than Luton Town and now doing the upward curve. So. I mean, I, I look at it, to be honest with you, James, and I, and I think, you know, there, but for the grace of God, I could have been born a York fan or a Cambridge fan or, you know, or, or, or Accrington even, you know, Wickham, God forbid. Um, and... I'm lucky and privileged enough to be a Luton Town fan, and, and it's the roller coaster that's so good. Yeah, so just, brilliant. But you don't want too many lows now that you've got those no, highs, do you? No. You want a, you want a just sort of a nice, gentle, family friendly roller coaster. It's, 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 it's our turn to be on the up. Yeah. It's our turn for good times now. We've we've had enough shit. Yeah, and January was certainly um, a good time to the point really that February was. You know, three wins and a draw. I mean, normally that's an absolutely fantastic month, but it felt a low-key month in comparison to the highs of of January. I mean, we beat Shrewsbury three 0 comfortable win as you as you're going to get away from home. Beat Wickham three 0 at home again, a comfortable win. George Monk, George Monker um, showing that you know his his initial burst was 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 no fluke, as he did the following week at Fleetwood with that beautiful free kick that you've both mentioned already. And even the draw at home to Coventry was a decent game of football. I think we both mentioned in a podcast since then that although we didn't win the game, you sat and watched it and enjoyed the football that was on show. Absolutely. I mean, you can kind of expect a a sort of after Lord Mayor's show scenario because of January and everything that came with it. I mean, we knew it was going to be big because that's when the first decision on um, planet, uh, power court was going to be we knew it was going to be because of fixtures we didn't know it was going to be so big because of the adversity you'd have to try and overcome losing the manager who was at the time absolutely loved you know hugely so and that's what made it so difficult at, at the time and why people will kind of never forgive him because you know he pledged his love to the club at that time so when you go into another month and like you say three wins and a defeat is you know that's great a draw sorry sorry a draw you you didn't 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 lose (laughs) didn't lose for some time no we've still got Um, a way to go yet yeah it was always going to have that sort of feeling but uh, it kept the it kept the undefeated run going and that's all you could ask for really Mm. and it's sort of you know, if, if if the worst of that is you don't really remember much of February, who cares? And of course, in many ways, March became an equally as big a month as January because going into January, we expected the decision of both Power Court and Newlands Park. But the, because of the Nathan Jones situation and everything that was going on, the club rightly asked for a delay to the Newlands Park outcome, uh, and that was to come sort of midway through March. We'd already started March off with 
2-0 win against Rochdale, which wasn't the most fluent performance. It must be something about Rochdale. We, we didn't play well against them at all all season. Um, obviously, there was that time where it wasn't there, where fans started booing when Kazenga Luar-Luar went in the corner and he shoved it up them by turning the player and setting <laughs> yeah. up the second goal. And he um, kind of got a feeling then that actually it was about to get a bit tight as we went and chased the league title. And if you didn't get it then... The long trip down to Plymouth the following Saturday for a nil-nil draw. Again, we played well, but we didn't get the win. And teams are starting to close in on us. And it was all starting to get a bit, you know, edgy. And then came that special Monday night again in the town hall when um, Newlands Park was, you know, given the planning permission. And it was all forgotten about all the kind of how tight it was going to get in the league because that meant more than anything. Yeah, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, Kevin. It was well. My, I was overjoyed, but underneath all that, it was this feeling that my football club are finally going to be safe. Not, you know, not in terms of avoiding relegation, but in terms of there's a future for them. They can build. We're going places because. In, in some ways, it annoys me that people turn around and call this little Luton and whatever. <clears throat> yeah, we're not as as big as no, we're near as big as as the the clubs in the top half of the Championship or the Premier League. But Luton still took more we, we've, more fans to Wembley yeah, than uh, Charlton or Sunderland at the weekend. We've still got a huge fan base, and we have immense potential as a club. You know, I mean, you, you've only got to look at what Bournemouth have done. You know, and uh, surely we had it, it might take us a, a few seasons, but surely we can match that. Well, B- Bournemouth were were given a point stock at the same point as well, and they yeah, but it was just a, right. a lesser points. It was seventeen points, I think. And so you can see what they've done by surviving that season and going on. They have had a fair bit of backing from a fairly rich benefactor, but mm. it, uh, there are teams that can show you don't have to have that. There was always going to be teams that will come in with some big money, but Luton have done things right in a very whole way, if that's for want of a better I might be way wrong of describing it. Aren't Brighton one of those clubs that have done it the right way? Yeah, that's although huge, Tony huge. Bloom again is. Yeah. Yeah, I know he's a poker player, but he ain't short of a bob or two, is he? Um, as he showed by sacking a manager just recently. Um, t- uh, James Tony said that. It was the future of our club that was secured, but in many ways it was also so much more than that because it was the future of our town that was yeah. that was secured for us that are living in it or around it right now, but also children of of the future. You know, Luton's now going to be able to prosper on and off the pitch. Yeah, that was immense, really. The, the, the feeling that having grown up in Luton... Uh, for the you know thirty four years of my thirty seven, having been smuggled across the border before I was old enough to know any better, <laughs> uh, we'll and, say nothing at that. <laughs> <laughs> and just being, just being shat upon from a great height from anybody that cared to do it, because even if you'd never been there, you'd heard like the odd stereotypical remark, or that's you know the odd thing about Luton being having an airport was the best thing about it you can get away or on that Diana Dawes advert all that all these things that they just 
beat us around the, the head with. And I grew up with that and I believed it because it was so ever present and just, just penetrated your psyche all the time. Just thought, Oh, well, if this many people are telling me that Luton's terrible, then it must be terrible. In fact, in fact, it was only that it was only really when I started covering Luton that gave me the sense that actually Luton is not what people are telling me it is because I was going, um, not not necessarily when I first started because I was in the championship, but as you went down, 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 that descent into the non-league and having to go to some absolute hovels, going around these countries, and how on earth can people be telling me that Luton is this bad when I've gone up here? And it's like some of them, they looked bad, and then some of the attitudes of people up there, like the higher, you, the further north you go and you sort of realise Luton is quite a liberal place and like, it's, it's not good, that way all over the country. It's a good town to live in. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is exactly. a good town. Because I, I, I agree with you because especially when there's local people that knock it, you know, and, and you think about locales in this area and you, and, and they look, knock Luton. And then when you, especially when people are singing the praises of Milton Keynes, when you go Netherfield and the Lakes Estate and then you're thinking, hang on a minute, you know, have some perspective. And even um, that place down the motorway, you know, you've only got to go to like South Oxy and hang on, mm. you know. And I've even heard on our local radio station um, somebody describing Ampthill as a beautiful town. And I'm not being disrespectful to Ampthill. I think Ampthill's quite a nice town, pleasant, but there's no way in the world I'd describe Ampthill as beautiful. Have you driven through it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's fairly congested. But, I mean, that book... I think it was 2004 came out, Crap Towns, when Newton was mm. number one. That is a lot to answer for. It's yeah. like a major brickbat that people used to hit people, hit Luton with. But it never was and never has been the worst town in England or UK or wherever it was. It's no. not even the worst town in Bedfordshire. Yeah. So it's just one of those things that are completely blown out of all proportion that has made that's reflected on this town really badly for so long and what these two developments did and always set out to don't forget they it was it was only a couple of weeks ago that it was the third anniversary of when the exhibitions first started when we all saw them it was though at that point that i looked and went wow my town can be something really special to look at now to go with the way i was feeling about my town and so the relief of power court was yes halfway there kind of knew that would happen no objections but the newlands park one was just this i don't know it felt like an epiphany like luton can there's no the sky's the limit now for luton and it will take a while and and the the thing now is that yeah, there's there's one small hurdle to get over with the Section 106 agreement and Luton Town and Luton Council agreeing that and then having to wait six weeks for those idiots at the mall to you know, try and put the mockers on it. Well said. Yeah. But once that happens, you better believe that this town is going to look a hell of a lot better. So the only thing then after that point is that we've got to start feeling better about our town and that is the next challenge and in many ways that's the greater challenge than trying to you know redevelop a toxic site in the center of town because we're there now changing perceptions as you can tell from the microcosm of um some people that support hatters it's hard because they've had some hatters fans have had 10 years of 
um, horrific experiences brought upon their club for no fault of their own. Mm. And it's hard to change the way that you feel about that when things sort of go slightly wrong and temperatures and um, oh, voices are raised in the ground. But I think the majority of people are now starting to realise that this is a new Luton. It's a new Luton town football club. It's a new Luton town. And you just got to go with that now and sort of forget I mean, all that stuff. We, we, we still get the odd people having a go because of the plastic pitch and the away fans ban, even though that was nothing to do with the supporters and you have to go along to a large extent with what the owners of the club do. That was then. Now it's not quite like that. No. Supporters have got a voice and, and the club do listen and they want to work quite closely with with supporters. But as regards the town and what's going on, all I'd say is watch this space. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess the good thing, James, is... Um, if you need a reminder that Luton isn't necessarily the worst place to live uh, between now and the two developments going up, we do visit Middlesbrough next season. So you'll um, <laughs> you'll uh, you'll certainly. I'm, I'm not going to say anything to that, Kev. Soon, I've got family coming. You'll, you'll certainly get it there and then. I can tell you. Um, the celebrations, really, from the New Orleans Park decision. I mean, well, obviously they continued in the White House, didn't they? But they also continued the following night when the town went to Bradford. Oh. Another night where actually we showed our championship credentials where, you know, we got the lead in the first half in, in conditions that actually felt typically southern, but they certainly turned northern in the second half. And, um, again, we was on the back foot sort of having to fend off a little bit of a charge. And it was another one of those nights that afterwards, I think the reaction was it's Sonny Bradley and Alan Sheehan, wasn't it? Kind of told all about how big a, a moment it was. Considering as well the conditions up there, it was freezing and it poured with rain. And But you look at those lads, when they come off the pitch with that, I was so proud of them, the way they dug in and hung on for that result. You know, and we, we never looked like we were going to lose that game. No, we didn't. And March, March was becoming a bit of a battle, wasn't it, with a few draws and, and another one against Gillingham at home, albeit with a worldy free kick that got them level. So actually what we really needed to kind of fire us on again was some pillock from Doncaster who um, mm -hmm. has history with us opening his trap and just doing a team talk for us because, you know, the following Saturday Doncaster came down, the best team in the league, etc, etc, etc. And those moments that we've spoken about, those 45 minutes, was actually a 90 minutes of just pure pleasure. Mm. It, it was, but the, th the thing with that was because there's history with Matty Blair, isn't there? When he's your City player and he, he scored their winner. Miles in, offside. In, 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 yeah, he was miles offside. But what summed it up for me was one of the pictures that Gareth Owen took was uh, Loire Loire has scored and he was doing the backflip and he caught him in mid-backflip and there, underneath him in the background, you could see Matty Blair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was 4-0, but yeah. just like Tony said with the Akins game earlier in the season, that could have been double easily. Yeah, it, it was, whereas Portsmouth was this scintillating football, the one against Doncaster was, and that was 45 minutes of scintillating football followed by an, a magnificent end. This was sheer... An utter domination. They've but controlled domination, wasn't it? It wasn't like frantic. Mm. It was just we're we're the best team in this league, not yeah, you. Not and, you, yeah. And yeah. he here's why: boom, 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 goal. Four mm. times four. 
Yeah, I, I, you'd have thought by that stage that opposition players and managers would have learned keep your gob shut and we'll just keep our comments amongst ourselves. Those that have brain cells did, but thankfully mm. he didn't have any. Um, <laughs> so obviously we're getting towards the end of the season now, chaps. Um, tricky test at Bristol, <coughs> rounded off March. We weren't at our best that day, but again, it did enough. Did enough, got a 2 0 lead. They pulled one back on half time. We had to battle and scrap like crazy in the second half, but we did it and. Um, Another three points, and then we're into the final game of the season. Uh, we would just mention that Bristol Rovers game that equaled the um, club record unbeaten run for um, made it twenty seven unbeaten. So Blackpool came to town. A little bit of revenge in mind, no doubt, from the playoffs of a couple of years ago. And of all the teams that we could have broken the record against, maybe there was some kind of <laughs> it yeah. was it was something written in the stars that we were going to do it. But we only just did it in many ways because the two two draw that day that. We had to work really hard to get. Was Jason Cummins, wasn't it, who um, rescued us but we didn't sort of two lose, or three Kevin, minutes of time. That's what it's all about. We didn't lose. Absolutely. And, you know, again, if ever we needed a reminder of why we're the champions, that was it. Mm. Well, that's squad depth as well. That what, um, what Learn got in the summer was a good squad and they added to that because there was Cummins who had to come off the bench a lot. He's had a lot of difficulties off the pitch, I think, and he's gone back on loan. Um, George Thorne, who looked an absolutely Rolls Royce of a football and just didn't get on on the pitch, couldn't couldn't get on, and that's a testament to the likes of, you know, Pelly when he was playing there and uh, McCormack's impact uh, that that a player of that ilk couldn't couldn't get on. But it was squad depth; it was there if you needed it, and that sort of thing, bringing a player off. That could uh, not. It wasn't a match-winning performance, but it was a record-breaking goal. Essentially, um, it, that's that's what you need. You need a, you need so many things. You need that grit and determination not to get beaten. You need to be able to go to the last minute. You need to be able to make changes that affect the game. That, that game-changer thing, which came from the previous manager. So um, it was it was every bit as important as all the other magnificent sort of last minute wins and, and, you know, back to the wall defending to try and save a point or save three. Uh, and as it proved, it'll be forever known now. 28 game unbeaten run is astonishing. So all good things come to an end. And well, it did in style. It has to be said, um, at Charlton, at the Valley, where actually there was no signs of it coming to an end in the first half. We were no. relatively comfortable, took the lead, Harry Cornick scored. Well, we, we, we were quite comfortable until Mr. Taylor decided to cheat. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't even think half time I saw it coming. I know that we had, there was the incident with James Shea, wasn't there, where mm, could he yeah. have been sent off, should he have been sent off, etc, etc. But even then at half time, I was like, well, just continuing on our merry way here. I do think that they were making some inroads in the first half. I don't think it was all Luton's way. I think they did play quite well on the flanks and deliver some decent crosses that were causing some trouble. And he obviously had that chance where... Um, I, don't, I don't think we were at our best at that game, though. No, but I didn't think... But you're right, we looked comfortable. I didn't think time. Charlton are going to turn turn them over at that point. But also because they'd gone... How many? That Was that the game that ended the... Every time Luton go ahead, they don't lose. It was yes, into it, the, did, yeah. it was into seventy games. You, mm. So that's seventy games worth of confidence. Where you go right, that, that's they're at least going to not not lose this game. And it at the time it wasn't coming. I think in a way though, it, it, <clears throat> we've got a monkey off our back as well because 
you know, any game after that, every club wanted to be the one to win that record. And the fact that Charlton did it, you know, I, I think unconsciously to certain teams after that, it was okay. Well, we they, they've lost that record, so you know, we don't have to go overboard to try and beat them. So I think in a way it, it, it did help us. And the nice thing was that we bounced back immediately. We we didn't, you know, have back-to-back defeats. So, uh, again, that showed the quality of the team. It was like, OK, we lost. Let's forget it move on. Learn from it. And I guess in many ways it was a good job that we did go to Accrington and win so comfortably because obviously Sky got involved and we played after everyone else and everyone closed in on us on Good Friday and you know it would have been human nature for a few doubts to have crept in within the players but particularly with the fan base I mean that was highly enjoyable that win oh I love it anything over Accrington is is just in Coleman is just brilliant it was just another controlled performance wasn't it it was like oh well we've lost we go again pitch as well yeah I mean there are so many things that now there are to be heartened about and they broke records left right and centre They've, they've, like we said earlier in this podcast, they've they've gone nearly two seasons, but there might even be more, where they haven't lost back to back games, and that's something to be cherished as well because it's all very well going on a twenty eight game run, which is you know exceptional and probably never to be seen again. But if you take that away, then eventually you're going to get beaten. The trick is not to go on a losing run, isn't it? And if you've got that in your locker. That's something else to you know fall back on and be positive about. But I kind of guess that the the game that followed that Accrington one felt like a defeat when a- AFC Wimbledon equalised in the last minute against us because it was kind of the night that was billed as the night that was going to set up the promotion party on the Saturday and it just fell flat a little bit, didn't it? Not through any fault of our own necessarily, but it's well, just it, one of those it, things. It, well, it was. We played well in that game. We should have won it. But it, it was. Yeah, from not taking our chances, yeah, I there agree. Was, there, but was a, there was quite a bit of that in the late part of that run-in, actually, where they'd take the lead and not necessarily press the advantage and the other team would come back in. Um, I was going to say Blackpool then, but that's not the one I was thinking of. But the, there were there was that seemed to be sort of, like sort of a pattern. And if it, if there was ever a sign that there might be a stutter, it was it was that only really, which was of course was compromised, I guess, by the following Saturday when we actually had our first chance to secure promotion at Burton, and well, it just that never that, got that was, never got going at all, did it? That was really disappointing. That was that, because that was the worst performance. Not taking I've seen anything away seasons. from Burton because they 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 played well, but I think they got their tactics spot on against us. I think they're one of the few sides this season that outthought was tactically. Um, but again, having said that, I don't think our players were one hundred percent up for that game. I think mm, they don't. I thought the occasion almost mm. got the better of them. It was. I, I think so. For for once, Luton did have a, didn't have a midfield, and mm. their their number four, Allen was just passing it through them like they weren't there. I think we badly missed Alan McCormack, to be honest with you. That that was a symptom of yeah. quite a bit of that um, semi-stutter that I mentioned. But when McCormack went outside, they were so sort of dominant and had a bit of guile about them and he'd uh, whip people up and mm. get in players' faces, get in the ref's face and stuff like that. And that I sort mean, of went a little bit. I'd, I'd just like to, to say a big thank you to Alan McCormack because I think he's been brilliant for us over the past two seasons. And yeah. I, I think that... Um, yeah, he's more than he welcome back again, I've read. A, a big, big, big player for us in the fact that he he got us over the line. 
you know, his experience showed and oh for a player like that in his mid twenties. Mm. Without a doubt, well, we've we've got one in many ways in Glen Ray, haven't yeah. we? And uh, yeah. hopefully, we'll see more of him next season. What that Burton defeat did do was set up what we all thought was going to be the most nervous week we've ever had. But thankfully, Peterborough um, got us out of a bit of the uh, heartache and went down to Portsmouth and won on the Tuesday night. To, no, he was expecting that. I well. certainly wasn't. Um, and you know, <laughs> celebrations then were great. And it took the pressure off of the following Saturday, but the following Saturday was just magical. Well, it was party time, wasn't it? Oh, it was brilliant. And and the nice thing about it was as well, it meant that we were clear winners. I think I've said it before on the podcast, we were clear winners. We we didn't tie points-wise with Barnsley, because they, they didn't win. So, you know, it was great all round. It was just one of those days that we're going to look back on in 10, 15, 20 years time and it would just, just make you feel warm again. If, 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 if you know, if, if we've, heaven forbid, but we're in the championship still or, or whatever and we're struggling and you just think, that was a great night. I, I, I think it's been a special season all around, not just for us, but in terms of, yes, we got promoted and nobody expected. We've got plenty of permission from both developments, but if you look at it, um, for me, what is great is we went unbeaten at home, which meant nobody did double over us. I think we scored more goals than anybody else in the division. Cause I 90 don't know goals, if, yeah. I don't know if we conceded less than everybody else. No, I think but Barnsley just showed it a couple of goals. We, we also had more clean sheets than anybody else. And um, the third-place team actually won the playoffs. And it was so tight all the way through, you know, uh, from two-thirds all the way down anybody could have gone down and you know you look at some of the teams that went down on the last day you wouldn't have thought it would you Plymouth Mm. well I mean I was reflecting on that the other day actually in a piece that I did for something else Scunthorpe were actually fourth or fifth favourites along with ourselves to get promoted got relegated Mm. (laughs) it's just a crazy leak and if you look at it Barnsley actually finished second on 91 and most other seasons a 91 point hole would have been enough to to win it that's the thing that's why this season is even more exceptional than just going up it's that that Luton went had to set a club record and still had to go to the last day to try and not just win the championship to get promoted albeit it, you know, it's taken out of Luton's hands for the promotion side of it. It was, you know, given well, a gift well, by, by yeah, Peter. Right. But that, that is an exceptional season. And when and you it, look at it that way, you do, League One's turned out to be one of the most exciting leagues. It has. Well, they had to extend the highlights program, didn't mm. they? So that they had enough time to cover it. I mean, it was crazy. We shouldn't really um, end May uh, in a in a sort of jovial and. Um, antagonistic mood but I'm going to because the the cake was well and truly baked on a fantastic season and the cherry had been long since put on top with the uh, the scenes of the Oxford game but if it needed those sprinkly things added to it well Manchester City <laughs> Man- <laughs> Ma- Manchester City just did that beautifully a couple of Saturdays afterwards because I've got to be honest I had no intentions of watching the cup final but I was in the pub and to be fair let's be honest we've all been in the pub mm. a few times since that Saturday and they had it on the fuck oh, and then I'll endure what's what's to come and I nearly fell off the bar stall when the sixth one went in it was just just the the funniest afternoon of football I've watched I, in a long long time to be honest with you I think they did very well just to concede six yeah it should have been uh, seven I, I mean it, 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 it was funny I mean I, I said that most of that 
um, weekend after that, I was feeling very sexy. Um, <laughs> but um, no, it, 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 it was just hilarious. It, it, it really was. I don't know if anybody saw the the guy who does a blog on YouTube who went to the game and watched it, and that is. It's so entertaining, you know. And then they're trying to gain something by they all proud, you know, proud that they waved their flags and everything else. And then I thought, somebody, oh, they dyed the flags the wrong colour. It should have been white. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, and another thing that's up was that, you know, when they're close and on company, when their Deanie ran past him and the look on company's face. And I think, you know, I looked at it and I thought, the. In that game, Deeney's got to be the most overrated spa- waste of space I've ever seen. It's all about having a battle with him and, you know, um, a bit of bullying and whatever, and company just brushed him aside. He wasn't in the game at all. Yeah, indeed. It was just a fantastic afternoon, and to recreate Elton's song, that's why they call it the blues, I guess. Um, it was... Um, it was a great afternoon just to round off an absolutely... But you're, you're absolutely right. That was great. And, just a wonderful... And, you know, I'm so glad that Watford managed to at least equal some records. Well, that's right. But the other thing is, of course, we've been in, a, in an FA Cup final and scored. They've been in two and haven't. That's right. And, you know, well, you have to be a, a special team to concede six, but, you know, they took it to a new level, that is for sure. But to, just to, while you're talking about Man City success... One of the absolutely wonderful things of the last two seasons is that aside from promotions and setting club records and stuff like that, Luton have gone toe-to-toe statistics-wise with Man City, who are arguably the best team that the Premier League has ever seen. I know they're in different divisions, but to to manage those stats, you can only play what's in front of you. To manage those stats of goal scoring and points gained and unbeaten records is absolutely phenomenal from Luton. And I'm going to bloody miss it when <laughs> occasionally you just have to go like three or four games, not not pulverising teams and you know draws and whatnot. But it'd be great. It's going to be great to be in the Championship because that's where Luton deserve to be at least. Mm. It's going to be great going to big clubs again. It's going to be great having those big clubs moaning about coming to Luton and seeing somebody's garden when they have to walk into the stand. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Not heard that one before. No, not heard that one. It's, no, really. it's going to be, all of this is going to be absolutely wonderful and it's going to be proper football atmospheres like we expect and we're used to because for years that never happened. I remember 12 fans from Forest Green Rovers turning up once and they all sat in miles away from each other in a tiny stand. You're like, come on, boys. At least go, at least gather together and share a bit of a... Good time to be really <laughs> fun. Yeah. One other thing that did make me smile at the end of this season was Celtic doing the treble treble. That's my Irish Catholic roots coming out there, Kev. It's been a great season all round then, really, hasn't it? <laughs> OK, chaps. I mean, I think that for me... One of the special things of this season is the fact that it's allowed Mick to get his redemption. Obviously, from our point of view, he never needed to have that, but from his own personal thoughts, um, it was good. And, and I guess it shows the, the class of the man that he's now handed over what's an attractive job, undoubtedly, you know, leading us into the championship to the new man, Graham Jones. 
we now know that he's in charge. I, mean, I think, let's be honest, we knew it two or three months before it was announced, didn't we? Yeah, without without really knowing it. But what are we expecting next season? I'm not asking for your expectations in terms of where we're going to finish or anything like that. We'll deal with that when we come back and do next season. But what are you looking forward to about the championship, Tony? Different grounds, bigger clubs, and progression from the club. And what would you like to see from Graham Jones himself, James? I mean, you're going to deal with him a lot, obviously, being in the media. What would you like to see from him off the pitch, but also in terms of how he continues things on the pitch? I think he has got all the cards in his favour as things stand like no other manager I can ever think of not just Luton it's so rare it's a real unique situation it, this isn't it it's so rare for a manager to come into a good side usually you're coming into a side that's hit rock bottom they've sacked somebody and or unless you're Chelsea and then third in a European final is is bad for some reason <laughs> but usually you have to come in you have to pick people up you know redo things at that stage like say when Nathan Jones came in he had to consolidate a team it took him a year to get his squad together for them to start playing good football so then there's none of there's, there's none of that you, you're taking over a team that's had back-to-back promotions for the first time in the club's history they've broke all manner of records like i've said before they're riding high they've won the title they feel they're back where they belong he's a top class operator he's not been a manager yet he's gone to world cups He's managed West Brom. He's been at Swansea. He's been with a man, Roberto Martinez, is now getting touted as the next Barcelona manager. So he's going to know a lot. But the real benefit of what Luton have done here, as well as Mick having just, you know, three or four months to savour, is that Graham Jones has come in and done his job and worked away silently in the background. So he, as a manager, has been able to go with one clear thought in his mind of being a Luton Town manager and being able to go in the regular season to other clubs and try and find players that he can bring into Luton to try and make this squad better in the championship. Because I don't think... I think it has to be evolution. There's no revolution needed. There's... There's more than enough players in that side to cope in the championship if, fingers crossed, such would they keep the best ones. Um, obviously, there's already been talk of I, I think players I think he's the right guy for the job. And yeah. 2020 identified him, yeah. and he was the only candidate that went for. He was the first man. Well, what, yeah. I also, what I also like about him is obviously his predecessor, Jones, lacked class in the end, whereas... Yeah, this guy started off with a bit yeah. of class by the, you know, he didn't get involved in anything, even though, you know, I think they were talking that he agreed terms in February, aren't they? And but he wouldn't leave West Brom. He wouldn't leave West Brom, but also when he'd been sacked, didn't come in, sat and watched in the stands against Burton and against Oxford, didn't get involved in the celebrations after the Oxford game, didn't go on the stage at St George's Square on the Sunday. You know, there's a, there's a bit of dignity and a bit of class shown by him already, actually, that's going to stand him in good stead. There's also a, there was a piece um, written about him where he was quoted in it from a coaching Yeah, um, I'm sure we'll bring that up with him when we have yeah. him on a podcast next season. I can't quote it verbatim and I haven't got it in front of me, but it was essentially... It's all about the players all rather about than the players. The, yeah. it's, not, it's not about one man on the touchline, blah, 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 which was said way before Nathan Jones ever... Like, 
um, left the club, but sort of the other way around. Absolutely reflected that situation perfectly. It's like that's not going to happen again. So hopefully, it is all about them. Um, I just think he's got he's he's got the perfect platform to do well and and do well for me is consolidating that division. What we would have liked to have seen is for those morons at the mall not to have been so mm. objectionable in the first place because arguably we could have we had power court now and if they'd have had that then you'd think in to see states they, they, yeah, they could have they could really compete in that league now they've got to try and consolidate and survive for three maybe four seasons until that place is built and um you know We've said already that the sky's the limit for looting. It would just be incredible if that's the scenario then. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the future's going to be bright and I'm sure we all can't wait for next season, but that will come. But before we close this podcast, I just want one sentence from both of you just to reflect and sum up this season that we've just enjoyed. <laughs> that's a difficult ask, Kevin. You ain't getting away from our last podcast of the season without one difficult question, mate. Yeah. Um, one sentence... Absolutely draining, exhilarating, exciting, and bloody brilliant. You've had a few seconds longer to think about your answer, James. Uh, football of the gods. And it truly was, and that seems perfect way yeah, to leave this chapter. It's been fantastic to reminisce on one of the most magical seasons I can remember and I know we said this when we did the end of season podcast last season but I mean it's just got even better and who knows it might even get even better than that again next season but what a season it's been thank you both for sharing it with me both today and Pleasure. on the podcast throughout the course of the season really enjoyed it uh, thank yep. you to all of the players that have given not just fantastic and amazing entertainment and service on the pitch but also their thoughts and their time in our podcasts off the pitch our special thanks that goes to everyone at the club but particularly Stuart Hammonds and Charlie in the media department they give us unrivaled access, privileged access that we'll never take for granted. But we thank them for all of uh, the players that they put in our direction for these podcasts. And also thank you to everyone who's listened to our podcasts mm. over the course of this season. Mr. Big thank you to 2020 as well. A big thank you indeed to 2020, the people who have made our club so fantastic. And... Um, yeah, thank you all for listening. We'll be back again next season. We'll try and get a special episode or two out to tide you over between now and the start of next season um but until then thank you all yep thank you come along <laughs>